0: Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Today, we're with Michael, our resident ephesiologist, Andrew Johnson, associate pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas, and I'm Matt Till, soon to be in the urban sprawl of the Greater Miami, South Florida area. Woohoo!
1: Yeah, we're all
2: coming down. <laughs> yeah, and I, by that mean, we're just sending Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, be we're there g- in
1: the winter, so be prepared, brother. Dude, we'll we'll have you. We'll host you. Come <laughs> on down.
0: Awesome. Come on down. Yeah, we our family's making the big move. Uh, we're moving from the Midwest and saying goodbye to winter. I I I did a a. Uh, this is a very midwestern thing I think to do if you're moving south and it was a very bizarre movement actually thing I actually handed off my snow brush for my car and I gave it Ugh. to my neighbor and I said, would you be so honored to take my snowbrush?" And he looked at me and he laughed so hard and he goes, I would be honored. And I said, this is, you know, it's like, I felt like I was giving away like a fourth child or something. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> would, you, would you take good care of my snowbrush? Because where I'm going, I'm never going to need this again. <laughs>
2: hilarious. I moved from Indianapolis to Flagstaff with the, uh, almost like snow plow, like shovel that I had to clear snow off sidewalks. You brought it it with you so well. No, I, I I (laughs) gave that one away when I moved from flag down to Tempe, but I'm not kidding you. I had my snow brush still my ice scraper snow brush combination still in my car for a solid two years in Tempe. (laughs) And then I guess like, really get
0: rid of it. Really? (laughs)
2: <laughs> you're just going to need to hold on to this. I think you're yeah. going to be good to get rid of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. So yeah. Well, anyway, a good time to move. Happens. They're
1: talking about this winter being very snowy around Like,
0: so. Well, you guys enjoy it. You you enjoy it I say, up
2: here. I would say, I, I, I left long ago and I, I will still be on record. I miss the snow. I miss it. So, you know. I'm not antagonistic towards Snow. Snow, I love you. Well, well I would we, ha- we,
1: we've missed it the past couple of years. I mean, we we haven't had a White Christmas, I think, in two two years, it seems like. So we're looking forward to one this year.
0: I think the White Christmas is a mythology. I don't think it, it really always exists. The number of years it does, it's, it's just straight out of the playbook of Americana. You know what I mean?
2: It <laughs> might <laughs> be. even up but- on that.
1: But when it shows up, it's so good. Yeah, I I agree. We had a record, I think, uh, in our kids' lives. um, They've only not seen a white Christmas, I think, three times. And so that's, you know, 20, 23 years. So 20, 20 out of the 23 years, we've had white Christmases.
0: Wow. That's pretty impressive. And Andrew, I would just have to say too, like the first snow is always magical. So I'm with you. So, like that so first good. one, it's like magical. It's like, this is amazing. And then, literally, like 48 hours later, I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. Tap me out of here. So, anyway, I don't think I'm going to miss it that much. Well, welcome. welcome everybody to a new season of the Ephesiology Podcast. We're excited to be back and uh, to be talking about all things Ephesiology, uh, all things New Testament movements, all things. Um, well, about all things, I guess. And uh, there's so much to talk about. There's so much to uncover and to unpack. And uh, Michael, why don't you kind of just give us a little bit of a, a quick overview as to what we're going to be kind of starting to work through and dissect a little bit. And then we'll just go ahead and dive right into it. What do you say?
1: Yeah, sure. I can make an attempt at that. It may be a good way to move forward is to look back a little bit and uh, review wh- where we've come from. I mean, our heart in beginning this podcast two years ago, or two and a half or so years ago, it was to really dive in deeply into the New Testament movement and to understand particularly what was happening in the church in Ephesus. And uh, I I think we did that. Um, There it is. Yes, the infamous, perhaps, book called Ephesiology, the study of the Ephesian movement. uh, and so we we did that we we looked at that uh, a part of last year i mean there were so many things weren't there guys going on in our culture and not just in the united states
0: there was nothing the going on world. no it was actually the most boring uh, season of our entire lives and all of existence
2: <laughs> i think i, I took a long we're... nap is that you which <laughs> you guys
1: oh man well, i think maybe we wish we would have taken a long nap um but we 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 wanted to deal with some of those cultural things. And so we got into really trying to understand how do we navigate what we're seeing in culture and relationship to scripture. And, uh, and a part of that was becoming passionate about drawing closer to Christ. And so we spent, gosh, 10, 10 or more weeks going through the book of revelation and trying to understand who Jesus is today. I mean, as we think, as we're sitting here and we're talking, uh, who is Jesus today? And and John paints just this really awesome, remarkable portrait of Jesus, who is holy and glorious, um, seated in his rightful place on his throne, desiring passionately, for people to uh, draw near to him. And, uh, and so we spent a lot of time talking about that through the study of Revelation. And, and now, as we're moving into this next season of the Physiology podcast, I think we sort of pick up from there um, and dive in a little bit more deeply into what was going on in that ancient church. Um, what can we learn? from the ancient church that is important for us today in our era in our uh, century and uh, and and really try to understand what all of that looks like as we we continue to do theology and community you know i, I was yesterday and i'm almost continually reminded of uh, something that uh, jeff christofferson said to us uh, i guess it's been a year and a half or more ago that we're, we're living in a 21st century, uh, utilizing structures and forms for the church that come from the 16th century, when the reality is we're much more like the 1st century. And I think understanding that 1st century context, uh, the pluralism that was going on, the, the, the factions that arise in the 1st and 2nd centuries, even among Christians... And uh, and wrestling with how did the early church address those issues, and and then because they obviously successfully addressed those issues, what do we learn about that in just the the uh, the astronomical rise of uh, Christianity into into the fourth century, and um, I, I think you know it's. It's going to be fun to spend some time looking at uh, all of those events and trying to unpack them and to apply what we can to our context today. Yeah, and speaking of our context today, I feel like
0: this has, we, we always say this, but it always it, there seems to be a lot of important relevance that's happening right now and um you know andrew you could even kind of chime in here just to kind of give us a bit of a scope of some of the things that are being discussed as we speak and as even we record this and i feel like a lot of this is happening in real time where there is a um we are watching our current ecclesial models some might say come under attack i would say actually probably falling apart um and actually if they're literally dissolving And um, we are seeing uh, a lot of the, whether it be abuse or whether it just be longstanding idols, they're just falling apart. They're coming apart at the seams and uh, need some legitimate rethinking. And this is something we've been talking about for a long time. Like you talked to missiologists, like we have here, uh, Michael, but many other people have been talking about this concern of like the church is actually in crisis and we need to be rethinking our models. And it's almost like this. You know, the prophetic voices of the last two decades are now like showing like this is actually happening. We're watching uh, so much of what's happening, whether it be in evangelicalism as a whole, uh, Protestantism. Uh, we're seeing the church starting to find, uh, I don't know if collapse is the right word or not to use, but uh, things are happening. And, um, uh, you know, a- Andrew, what are we seeing on, on in terms of the landscape? now in the, the, the discussions that are happening in real time that we can, we
2: can actually point to. I find it funny because uh, uh, the way that you're talking about it, Matt, and the way that we're looking at things, I think we would be, I think we would be fooled into thinking or uh, lured into saying, you know what we need? We need a new ecclesiology, but what that sounds like is, I have a new idea for church, and this is going to fix all the other ideas. Um, literally, I think, in Michael, in your study and your experience, Matt, and in our experience, everybody's got a new idea until that new idea actually looks a whole lot like the old idea, and then it eventually collapses, and then there's another new idea. And I think maybe one of the things that we'll probably be talking about on this podcast is a renewed ecclesiology, an ecclesiology that has its rootedness back in the ancient things, back towards some of the principles that we saw established in the church. Um, because I have this feeling, Matt, you kicked it to me, and I was, I was actually like thinking about this, that on one hand, we, we have that desire to say, the sky is falling. Like the church is coming down, it's crumbling. And yet with how often we talk about who is the church, it's the body of Christ. It is those of us who have been renewed through faith and empowered by the Holy Spirit for ministry. It's actually just some really bad church models that are crumbling. Uh, The church is continuing to move. God's people are still continuing to grow. Um, And the models that a whole lot of us have depended on they're falling apart. I mean, they're being shown to be the shams that they are, and um, what's crumbling is the artifice that the artifice of self-importance, of celebrity culture, mm-hmm. of of the major Sunday morning monologue, um, mm-hmm. and an attempt to continue to entertain. Those things are falling. What's not falling is this call to love Jesus to pursue him, to share that good news with others, and then figure out how we can continue to make Matt, I like us the all things of all things, uh, that, that Christ is in all above all through all. And that's why we exist as a church. And we're still being challenged through all the things that are coming against Christ. So, so you have one of these things, which we're talking about the ecclesiology that might be falling which is the older way of doing church or what we all think is the successful business way of doing church. The pandemic has shown that to be uh, unsustainable. Uh, We have, we have the infiltration of Christian nationalism, finding its way into pulpits, into congregations, and it's starting to be rightly called out as anti-gospel And so we're saying like, actually, that thing that you held dear, uh, that place that you've held America to, that is like, not just subtle idolatry, that is like, full life cancer idolatry. And that needs to fall down. Um, The racism that has, in 2020, I think, when I say it hit a fever pitch, it just was, it was always there. It just was out in the surface for people to see a bit more readily. And so we are now still, still dealing with the, the ramifications, the depth of racism, and, and what it means for those of us who are in Christ to push those things away and come back under. That's why I use the word renewed, a renewal. There has to be a breaking down of the false artifices and the things that have crept in and said, this is good news or this is a part of the gospel. To, in fact, say, no, those are actually heresies. That That's Jesus and. That's Jesus and. Pull that away. We need just Jesus. And so I hope in this season of Ephesiology is that through a look back and a look today, that everything is literally changing as we speak, that we are able to still find that rootedness and that cohesion with Christ and what he's calling us to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, I love that, Andrew. I think it's always important for us to remember that, that Jesus is the builder of the church. And so as we think of the church, the God-ordained body that uh, is on his mission on earth, that church is not declining. That church is not going to fade away. That is God's uh, church, and, uh, and that body is being built by him. What we're seeing, as, as you just uh, uh, elaborated on, is that we're seeing these local entities that, that are applying different uh, ecclesial methods or visions or whatever, that uh, they're collapsing. And it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm reading a, a book that I'd recommend to everyone by James Edwards. Uh, called From Christ to Christianity, just came out uh, not too long ago. And one of the things that he draws uh, out of his study of the early church is that Christianity had this remarkable ability to adapt to culture while not being captivated by culture. And that was largely its success in uh, the, the first 75 years of the church. It adapted but was not captivated by culture. I think what we're seeing in the 21st century is that, yes, we've done well in adapting to culture, but we've also been captivated by culture. And uh, and we're seeing that played out. Uh, you know, the power struggles that we're seeing in prominent evangelical churches, the, the fall of uh, personalities in some of these churches, um even the power struggles that we're seeing um the manipulation of people the exploitation of resources all of these things point to this idea that the the church has become captivated with culture and uh has really lost it. in some ways I, I think it's lost its um I was going to say lost its soul. I don't want to anthropomorphize what's happening here, but, but uh, we've certainly lost our passion and vision uh, for God's mission.
2: Uh, I would say, Matt, for you, what are you seeing in regards to your vantage point and where God has you in regards to some of these either crumbling institutions or the challenges that we are facing as the church? Uh, as we are in the West, we can talk about that a little confidently because we're here. Like, what are you seeing?
0: Well, look, I mean, you've got this new hit podcast that's out right now um, regarding um, the, you know, the fall of Mars Hill. So anyone who's familiar with the name Mark Driscoll, right, uh, is a whole expose on what went wrong with what was by far the fastest growing church and church network and really movement uh, here uh, within the last like two decades within evangelicalism uh, was a huge movement that was created through uh, Mark Driscoll's ministry and Mars Hill. Uh, You have other things that are taking place. You have another podcast that's been doing an expose on Liberty University and Jerry Falwell. You have another, um, we've got reports coming out of uh, what's going on up at um, uh, John Piper's church at Bethlehem Baptist and then their seminary We've got other. Th- it's just it's just kind of constant. Um, what the the news that's coming out about systemic abuse, uh, systemic uh, things that have been taking place that has gone unsaid, um, undealt with. Um, we're dealing with uh, systemic issues. Um, you know, at, at one point we used to chalk these things up back, and when these, you know, when these things came out, they used to be chalked up to well. The person's fallen, they're broken, sin happens, let's move on, right? But at what point can you point to and just simply say, how is it possible that so many big names and so much has been happening around these these leaders that gain such large followings that it's becoming quite consistent? Um, and at what point do we stop looking at the individual and putting individual blame and actually begin to look at the systemic issues and so i think that that's where we're starting to realize like maybe we need to be really thinking about this from that systemic approach and that view what is it about the ecclesial model what is it about the system that has created this mess um, we've been seeing um, people asking these questions now you've you've had so many people for multiple decades beginning to run and and walk away from uh the church um there don't find a home there uh they're unsettled with it I, coming out of the pandemic having multiple conversations with people by going i left my church during the pandemic and i don't plan on going back um and and not only i'm not going back to my church but i'm not going back to a church i am I'm, i have gone through multiple churches the pandemic did me in. I'm out. And uh, they haven't walked away from faith, but they've walked away from, um, you know, the organized vision. I mean, I feel like I'm hearing a resurgence of uh, I'm done with organized religion. I mean, how often do we used to hear that uh, for so many years. And I'm hearing that now from evangelicals. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're, I think they're afraid to say it because a lot of them walked away for, you know, they used to have all these defense mechanisms where they talk to somebody and go, Oh, I'm not into organized religion. You know what I mean? And they are like, Oh, well, what's about a relationship with Jesus and other people. And now the people who were all about that are now starting to kind of bite their tongue and go. I think I'm done with the mega church. Oh, what you mean is you're done with organized religion. Got it. Okay, good. Just, just say it. It's, it's freeing. Just say it. You know, let it come out. You know. So I I think we're seeing this landscape and this shape that's starting to take place, and people are seeing these the 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 sin of the of the models, and I think we're starting to kind of reconcile that and um, reckon with it. I don't know if we've reconciled it yet, Um, and I, I. that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing this this kind of ma- major fallout, and people trying to figure out where do they go, and at the same time, some people holding on with the I, you know, white knuckling it, and others just saying I'm ready to walk away. Um, and I think these are good conversations we have to be having. I think we need to have more of these conversations. We need to be exposing and looking at and asking the difficult
2: conversations. Um, I'm not afraid of that. I think we need to enter into those. Okay, so let me push back's The wrong word. One is a something we should at least think about or uh, keep on the front of our mind because some of the massive mega churches came out of this exact yearning decades ago. I'm done with organized religion. I'm done with this big, I found a guy. He's not about organized religion. I have found a church that's nothing like the others. Again, it's, you know, different idea, different idea, different idea. Nope. Same idea, same idea, same idea. Like it's all the same. And so uh, I, as a, as a cautionary tale, let's keep our eyes out as this is that changing changing landscape, Matt, that you are absolutely correct in that's coming too. there is going to be the new shiny thing. Yeah. And actually to be different.
0: I a hundred percent agree. And actually I think that's where we need to put uh, the guardrails up for because if we keep pointing to that model being bad, that model being bad, then we haven't solved the problem, right? right? Because all we're going to do is create new models, as you already said earlier. And two, we create further radicalization that occurs. And we see that is very prevalent and is very much occurring. And people are moving to their polarized states on both sides. I, well, I'm a liberal church. I'm just going to be more liberal. I'm a conservative church. I'm going to become far more conservative and far more nationalistic and we're seeing that start to play out and nobody's sitting in the middle and i don't even know if the middle i don't even know what the middle looks like anymore to be honest with you um but what what does this we have to avoid that polarization and we can't be looking at the next new shiny thing but rather we really do need to yearn and look for okay what does are we willing to let it all go are we willing to let let you know tear the whole thing down and start afresh again and look to those ancient that the ancient scriptures again It's kind of in the place that I'm kind of wondering and sitting at.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I think that's an important point. It, there is a place I think for us to think deconstructively about what we're seeing happen in our uh, society today, but that I find uh fully, uh, um, Oh gosh, what's the word? I'd lost the word. Fully. Something, some word that, that I'm searching for that I can't think of, um, unsatisfying, perhaps, just to leave it at deconstruction. Um, and that's what we see happening, uh, that people are deconstructing their faith and they're leaving it there without even thinking in regards to how do we yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree I, that deconstruction is is very empty at the end of the day, right? Um, and I think we hear a lot of people talking about deconstructing faith. I'm not so sure if they're doing that. I think they're actually deconstructing um, their their systems, their frameworks. Mm-hmm. I think more people are deconstructing church. I think they're trying to deconstruct evangelicalism. Um, I think all that's good and healthy. Um, and I think we should be rethinking through and processing through those things. But you know, at least the conversations I'm having with people, they're not giving up on God. They're they're not giving up on, uh, but they but they definitely have to do a lot of work on going what what has informed this vision of God and this vision of Jesus that realizes it's so far more entrenched in depth in in deep into my culture and the cultural narratives that have been fed to me that I didn't realize how deep this really was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's at least what I've been finding. But I I cut you off, Michael.
1: No, that's it, that's good, and uh, I think you alluded to this a moment ago that. That and I've been saying this, and I want to continually emphasize this that I really feel strongly that a path forward has to first go backward, that we need to rediscover what that first century, second century, third century church looked like, what were they wrestling with, um, and, and then move forward from there. Um, I, you know, I have uh, picked up occasionally, I don't do this too often, just for the sake of uh, not allowing anybody to call me Reformed, but occasionally I'll pick up Calvin's Institutes, and I did that recently, and just reading the first chapter of the Institutes, you see that was his heart. That was Calvin's heart as he writes uh, in his introductory introduction to the Institutes, that the reason why he is pursuing this theological, ecclesiological reformation was because the church, as he saw it in his day, was not like the ancient church. And so just all throughout that introductory chapter, he is going back to the church fathers and saying, look, this is how they did it. We are not today doing it like that. And so therefore, we need to change. We need a reformation. And um, I think, boy, if Calvin did it, uh, that should be reason enough for our reformed brothers and sisters, Matt, uh, for us, for you, and all of us, to stop uh, to do a reassessment, look back at the development of uh, the early church, and uh, and honestly ask ourselves the question: Have we gone sideways from where the church was uh, headed? And, uh, and then how do we recover from that? And that's what I'm hoping that we'll do in, in this season as we work through. Um, I'm hoping that we'll work through some of the early documents uh, th- that were very important to the early church. And, and here I'm thinking about First Clement and uh, Ignatius of Antioch's uh, letters to the churches in Asia Minor. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll dig in a little bit to Polycarp and Papias I mean, these were folks that were the, the disciples of the apostles. Um, they knew them. They walked with them. They implemented the things that they, we read today about in the New Testament, and they wrote about those things. And, uh, and so we, I think, do well to take some time and reflect back on what they did to implement uh, the things that the apostles were teaching. And uh, and then ask ourselves the question: uh, Where do we need to make adjustments today? It's not you know. And here I I don't want to make the mistake that I maybe it's not proper to talk about it as a mistake. But you know, in the seventies, eighties, and early nineties, there and perhaps going into the early two thousands, um, there was a movement back to ancient practices in the church that led many people to uh, move into the Catholic Church or or move into the Orthodox Church as they looked at those churches as best representing the ancient practices. Um, I, that's not what we're saying here because I'm I'm not so certain, you know that 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 is what is needed we don't need to do exactly what the ancient church needed to do we need to be we need to adapt again as edwards was saying but not be captivated by culture we need to adapt to what's happening here uh, do the best that we can to understand the ecclesiology of the new testament and of the early church and then and then uh Strive hard not to be captivated by our contemporary culture.
2: And I also say, first of all, if we did have a high production, what we would have had was a siren go off right before Michael was about to say something about reading the Institutes by Calvin, just so that everybody knows this is this is really <laughs> hey, I, a big moment.
1: I have him right there next to uh, my my uh, books on uh, Celtic spirituality.
2: So it's fantastic. So anyway, uh, joshing aside, um, I do believe also, uh, I'm going to put this delicately. I hope that during this season, between the three of us and as we move forward, that we're also making sure that we're trying to come at this from a place of being a practitioner or being practitioners. And what we're talking about And not coming at it maybe from that academic ivory tower, we're just critics, so that we can see it's going wrong elsewhere, and all we'll do is say, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. Because um, as somebody who is a pastor in one of those churches, that I'm not saying is doing it wrong i actually i mean we strive to find that middle um we strive to not get caught on the poles we strive to faithfully live out what we see christ calling us to i just want to make sure that we're talking about this in a tone of we are in this together not y'all suck and you are totally failing and if you don't change you are going to be the reason you know and that's a, an us versus them and i hope that as we talk about those things that's the tone that we talk about it with and that is the heart uh that we lead out which i by the way i think we have up to up to now so i don't i'm not saying that to say that we haven't done that yet but i think in in this in this new season that's something i hope that we continue to keep at the forefront
0: yeah i agree with you andrew and i and i think too like it, as i kind of sort of mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is like a lot of this is happening in real time i mean we are literally Doing this work in real time, I mean we are in a new we are entering into a new season of the ch- Christian church in the West. Um, the tides not only have changed in some areas, but they are changing, and they're changing rapidly. And the future is going to belong to those who are willing and able to walk into the complexity. And still hold on to the orthodox faith, but have, but being willing to be tested by that refiner's fire, and says what doesn't belong here, what have I carried with me that just doesn't belong, and what is going to usher in uh, the the faith in a in a authentic, I'm use the word authentic, but in a really just. Um, uh, a way that we see just really played out that's gonna allow us to to grab hold of hope into the future not only for ourselves but for others and we'll usher into a, a state of really God's kingdom and we are watching it play out and it's that 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 battle is it's it's fierce honestly and it's bitter and um it's growing more fierce it's growing more bitter and you know there's this talk of, in America, a civil war that may brew again. I, I don't know how much of that I actually really buy into. But honestly, within the context of the Christian church, specifically, even within Protestantism, that's coming. And And I don't know if it, we're going to go to war over it, but it's it's going to be a deep divide. And um, it, it's playing out before our eyes. And, and I think we need to be those who are going to be faithful um, to those, uh, to the scriptures. And I think we need to know theology. We have to understand theology. So I think sometimes it comes across as being a bit um, ivory tower thinking, right. Um, And academic, but it's, I think uh, out of a place of a humble heart that says, I want to see these scriptures and I want to understand them in their context and seek to apply them in the most, in the best and most faithful way possible for today and allow them to speak into and interpret my existence today. And that means I got to shed a lot of things that have formed around that theology that really came from the culture and not so much directly Mm -hmm. from the revealed word of God. So that's the place I think we keep coming from and where we're trying to move into. Yeah. And I think think,
2: uh, along the lines is it's the, it's the tone and the, you know, follow the pronouns. It's not you should do this, it's let's do this. it's together, yeah that's I think the heart that we hope to go with yeah
1: i'm 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 struck by the uh fourth century uh the theologian Gregory of Nazianzus who uh, writes in his theological orations, kind of giving this outline in his introduction about who are those that should do theology. And and we have to keep in mind, this wasn't an academic exercise in Gregory's mind, but it was a worshipful one. Uh, When we do theology, it's an act of worship. And that act of worship is not just simply in our heads, but it's in the things that we do. And uh, and he writes that one of the qualifications for doing the theology is to do it in a time of peace, uh, which I find striking because, you know, in the, the fourth century when he writes this, I wouldn't necessarily call it a time of peace, although certainly there was a peace for Christianity in general. There were still very sharp theological debates going on in regards to the nature of christ and uh, i mean there were heretics that were uh to being called out and, and all kinds of things and yet um he found it so important for us if we're going to do theology well to do it from a place of peace and i think what he's getting at here is that theology shouldn't be reactive um it, it should be constructive and uh, and so much of what we see, I think, what we've seen in the past couple years, have been reactions to things, and uh, and they they haven't been always all that helpful. And so we want to come to a place where we're creating space to to to, to allow ourselves to, to be in places of peace, uh, so that we can be more constructive in uh, our way of uh, thinking and talking and engaging, uh, in theology.
0: Well, maybe on that note, then, as we think about as being people of peace and to be peacemakers, um, not just in our theology, but across every sphere of, um, our world. And as we interact as Christians, um, let us uh, go in peace and, uh, we'll wrap up this, uh, this particular episode here, and uh, we look forward to continuing to dialogue together um, in peace uh, with each other, obviously, Andrew and Michael, um, but also with you, our listeners, too, because this is what we want to do is doing theology together in community and uh, thinking through and walking into these difficulties and the the hard conversations. And there's going to be plenty more of this to come uh, this season. We have so much, I think, to unpack and and to uncover and discover together. Uh, So with that, thanks for doing Theology and Community with us here on the Ephesiology Podcast. We're glad that you are part of the growing Ephesiology global community. Learn more about Ephesiology and get access to free missional resources for you, your church, and leadership teams at ephesiology.com. For Michael, Andrew, and myself, we'll talk again right here on the Ephesiology Podcast.